Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I talk with indie filmmaker Bryce Hirschberg. He's a writer, director, producer, and actor. We talk about the many hats he wore making his feature film, Counterfeiters, which is quickly becoming a festival favorite all over the world. Let's get into it. And here we are with Bryce Hirschberg. Bryce, thanks for being on the podcast, man. How are you? Thanks. I'm doing really well. Thanks, Timothy. Thanks for having me, man. I'm a big fan of the podcast already, and couldn't be more excited to uh, to have a little film chat with you. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk with you. It's great to have you on, um, mostly to talk about your feature film, um, Counterfeiters, which yeah. you wrote, direct, produced, and starred in. Yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. Now, we're going to dive deep into that, but before we do... Uh, can you give us a little background about yourself, uh, how you got into filmmaking? Sure. Um, well, I uh, am a California native. I was um, was born in San Diego, only lived the first year of my life there, but then mostly raised in uh, Orange County and moved up to L.A. to go to college here. I went to Loyola Marymount University, which is a the best film school in the world. Mm. If I, uh, you know, I could go on about that. It yeah. is the best choice ever. Well, yeah, um, let's, let's, let's get into that a little because, uh, I like it when people stick up for their schools, especially oh, film schools. So, Oh, how was that experience? Oh, yeah. Well, I had the, um, I had the opportunity actually to go to USC as well. Hmm. And I, uh, really, I really, um, looked uh, as as a prerequisite, I needed to have a lot of control. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, I like kind of wearing a lot of hats in my in my movies. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I I write, I direct, I produce, and sometimes I'll act in it. And at USC, you're limited. You know, sometimes uh, you know you could you, sometimes you know if you if you get bad luck, you're you're stuck being the boom operator on a on a short film. You know, and and at LMU, you um, are guaranteed to be the director of at least three short films and you could write them. You could uh, act in them if, if you want. Um, shoot, you could shoot them as well. And the editor. So I always edit my stuff as well. So hmm. the freedom and the opportunity to learn and kind of perfect or, you know, I don't know if I'll ever perfect, but to get as close as I can to perfecting uh, each craft, um, that opportunity at Loyola, I, I don't, it's, I mean, I only went to one film school, so, you know, I'm sure people have um, arguments for their own, but hard to beat Loyola Marymount, I'll tell you that, man. But Yeah. Uh, now, why do you think yeah. that, why do you think there's that distinction between different schools? Why Why is there so much freedom allowed at, at your school? Well, do you know what? There's a really big difference um, in, there is, well, uh, the biggest difference, I think, is um, the... Well, at most film schools, they'll give you an allotted budget. Um, You know, we'll give you a 15 grand to make the short film Mm -hmm. or 20 grand. And then you have to get a line producer and and budget in that way. And you have to come under budget and all that stuff. When you um, at LMU specifically, I know a couple other film schools out there do it as well. But LMU, you put up your own you put up your own money. 
um, mm. that th therefore you retain all the rights to your shorts as well, um, or you know whatever you produce there. And so nowadays, with um, with you know when I, I graduated in 2012, so then VOD wasn't really big back then. But nowadays, someone could um, make a film at LMU and make money on it on Amazon if they wanted to. Sure. So at, at SC, you can't. And other, you know, you say like other things, you can't because the school owns it because they, they paid for it. So if you wanted to turn profit, you could. I guess, you know, I saw that come to fruition a little bit with my short film counterfeiters that I made at, at LMU. It was bought by Shorts HD DirecTV um, in like 2013. And I'm still getting checks for that every once in a while. They're very small, but yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get a little bit here and there. But that's that's not something, and it teaches you um, to really, uh, you know, watch your spending, you know, because it is your own money. So that, and because of that, you take a lot of pride, and you can do whatever you want because it's your own money. So mm -hmm. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, we'll stay on track with the film school and the uh, the background story, but sure. I I find it fascinating that. Counterfeiters was a short film. It was your thesis film, right? It was. It was my thesis film. Um, just uh, to get in there quickly, um, I, my first, uh, well, my junior thesis, I could say, my junior thesis film was a was a boxing movie called Bear, and I shot it on thirty five millimeter. I didn't act in that movie, um, but it was my first movie, that I, my first real movie that I directed. It was you know ten minutes long. Um, but did really well, got got some awards, and it got me the first taste of success, I guess, critically, I, I guess I could say. And as a follow-up, um, my favorite movie has always been Catch Me If You Can. Mm. You know, that's, that's Spielberg, Leo, Christopher Walken, Tom Hanks. Yeah, yeah it's nearly on. perfect movie. I, yeah, I'm with you on that. And I could watch – it's one of those movies that – Every time it's on TV, no matter what part of the movie you turn it on, it's always the best part, <laughs> you know. And so, I, when I watch movies like that, I'm like, that's what I aspire to. I want to every every scene needs to be a scene that's oh, that's oh, it's my favorite scene. Oh, but this is my favorite. You know, it's kind of like when someone asks me what my favorite movie is. Oh, this one is this one is you know. Mm -hmm. But I, I'll I will stick with Catch Me If You Can. So I uh, I decided to make a film along those lines, maybe something that's a, a little more um, I guess more relative. Uh, with with the millennial age of people who don't really want to work, mm -hmm. um, what's a better what's a better way of not working than making a bunch of phony money, and uh, and doing it in a cl clever enough way to not really get caught, um, and that's kind of what the short was about. I did it all in a continuous take. It was eleven and a half minute continuous shot, and wow. and that that got yeah that got some attention and. Kind of got my foot in the door, and I and I actually wrote the Counterfeiters feature script once the um, short was accepted into the short program at Cannes. Wow! So I was like, all right, this is this is my opportunity to write the feature, and I mean, it took uh, you know, what was it, three years to uh, to make, but that's just be it's not because it took that three years to prepare, but it took um, took three years for me to be ready to make a feature film. I think right. That's great. I mean, I can only think of a handful of filmmakers that had, had made a student film, a short film, and then made that into a, a, a feature later. Um, the one that comes to mind is Napoleon Dynamite. I think, I think he pulled that <laughs> off. But I think so, too. That's impressive, man. Congrats. I appreciate that. I think the, a, a guy, um, gosh, I forgot his name. It's escaping me. And I don't actually know if he made the short film when he was in school or not, but I think he did. You know the guy who directed It Comes at Night? 
Hmm. You ever see that movie? I don't think it's, so. Uh, it's pretty good. It, it came out in theaters. It, it's you know it stars uh, Joel Edgerton and a couple other people. Hmm. But he made a movie called Cretia that went to can and got indie spirit award and stuff like that and that was based off of a short film kind of also stars himself stuff like that but not really he had he had a smaller role in it but he made it himself starring his friends and family and i kind of figured that out and when i saw it comes tonight i'm like wow what a great movie and i realized that he kind of he's a little older than me but he kind of did exactly what i'm trying to do uh the budget was bigger um i made this whole movie for uh eight thousand dollars believe it or not feature film so uh, that was that's the that was the really impressive part about the whole thing. But there are there are few uh, um, cases that are similar. But um, I figured I'm, I'm relatively unique. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so the the short um, it went to France. That that's impressive too. I mean, it, it, yeah. What was that like? It was, it, well, unfortunately, I couldn't make the trip, but I got a lot of. Um, a lot of connections from the European markets and f- fans, film fans out there. And, you know, um, it was kind of nice, you know, yeah. it was years, years and years ago, but fresh out of college, you're kind of like, Oh, this is, <laughs> this is rock and roll right here. But, uh, you know, I was always, there was always small potatoes to me. I always had my, my, uh, eye on the biggest picture possible. Um, hmm. Ever since, you know, if I if you want to go back a little more to kind of if I digress while in high school, um, me and my best buddy, David Clausen, who is the cinematographer and co-producer with me on Counterfeiters, um, we used to shoot movies in high school. And I'm talking like thir- three minute, two minute stuff. And that's the classic story everyone hears. We used to get a camcorder out. We used to take the laptop and turn it around and use like the uh, the, the eyesight on it, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of just you know, shoot ourselves like that. But it was so funny and nice. He went to end up going to um, film school in full sale in uh, Florida. And, and he really came into his own as a cinematographer, you know, back in the day, we always thought because he held the camera that he was the director, and I always wrote it and acted. But we realized that he just, you know, as we got older, he was just a cinematographer, and I told him where to point it. <laughs> he was just <laughs> he le- the cinematographer. He was just cinematographer. Yeah. No, he he loves he loves giving me a, the a, too much credit. He I couldn't have made Counterfeiters or really I, I've worked in them multiple times, but Counterfeiters was as much his um, masterpiece as mine, if you if we could call it that in its limited uh, you know run so far. Um, sure. but, uh, it's nice. It's nice. I mean, it was 10 years later, God, it's going to be, uh, it's 2018. I graduated in 08. So yeah, 10 years later, um, from high school at least, uh, that we are making a, made a feature film. It's amazing. And he has a lighting and grip and a camera company. It's called grainy days productions. And they're kind of, he's killing it in North Hollywood right now. So that's also an, a part of the reason why I can make this film for so inexpensively is cause I had all of that right. at my disposal. Um, but yeah, kind of just, uh, from high school here, I always wanted to work with them and, and, um, I always wanted to win an Oscar. That's always been my goal forever. Um, I've always tried to, to write movies that could do it. <laughs> um, I'm not, not there yet. Um, but, uh, one last thing about kind of like interim goals I'll, I'll say is my, I was in, in high school. My dad showed me a, uh, something on KCET. Um, it's called the um, st- uh, Student Film Showcase. I forgot what it's actually. I forgot what it's called. Shoot, but mm-hmm. it's a K- on KCT, they uh, they sh- they take 
one film from the five best film schools in LA. So USC, UCLA, AFI, LMU, and uh, I think Cal Arts, or depending, they, they go through Chapman, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, they run that as part of like this televised film festival annually. And I saw this great short film made in a, a guy kid, a thesis, uh, graduate thesis at USC. I'm like, wow. And from that point on, I, I just wanted to have my movie on KCET's uh, film showcase. And, and um, ironically, uh, Counterfeiters was, was selected and was chosen uh, after, after my uh, senior year to be on it. Nice. So that was, that was like the, yeah, that was the big goal. And now, now it's, uh, now it's winning an Oscar. Now it's the stuff. Oscar. <laughs> now, now when you win the Oscar, who are you going to thank first? You have that all figured out? Yeah, it's got to be my mom and dad. It's got to be. Right. Um, you know, when you're, when you're in the, um, when you're in the entertainment business, as you know, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I am in a situation now where I live on my boat in Marina Del Rey, where most of Counterfeiters actually takes place. Oh. And, and I mean, best kept secret in the world, uh, living on a boat. Cause you know, I'm paying minimal rent, which is the slip fee while my buddies are paying thousands of dollars a month. Wow. So, and are you, um, are you printing your own money as well? Do you know what? I will plead the fifth on that. Um, <laughs> No, no, no. I, you know, just getting by for whatever I could do. Um, and my parents have always been very supportive. Well, my mom nowadays is like, get a job, you know, but, um, (laughs) very supportive throughout my, my feature. And they have a lot of faith in me. Um, I, 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 check us out. I'm glad that I did well enough, um, in college that they kind of say, you know what? You might have a future in this kid. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) keep it up. Uh, which is kind of, I'm just really trying to prove them right, you know, prove their investment right in my, in my college education and, uh, right. and prove myself, myself right, I guess. But it's, it's them. They're my first, uh, they're my first thanks. That's for sure. Wow. You know, I was wondering about the boat because it's, it's one of the primary locations in your feature. Um, I did not suspect that you lived on it. You, you know what? That's good. <laughs> good. <laughs> uh, that's what I was going for. I wanted people to think, oh, wow, I wonder how much that cost. Um, no, but I just, I I wrote the script kind of, I rewrote it, I should say. Originally, took me three years ago, I didn't live on the boat. And um, I rewrote it within the last two years to take place on the boat. Because I always wanted to to make a movie. And I never thought that anyone would actually give me any money. Because the bi- that's the big catch-22 of becoming a film director. Because... You know, people always like, well, you know, go get a, a PA job or, you know, go intern or go do, you know, work on a set. It's like, yeah, sure. And that'll get you some experience on set work and office work and stuff like that. But you can't really work your way up to be a director. Mm-hmm. You you kind of just have to be a director. Um, and And no one will give you money unless you've already directed something. <laughs> so... There lies the catch twenty two. So I that's what I, I always wanted to write something that I could afford to make myself if need be. Yeah. To get that kind of launching point. Well, you know, the boat, obviously you know, uh, it adds instant production value on the screen. Totally. Totally. So, right. Smart move with that. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, so you're you're on the boat, spend eight grand, you you make the film. Um yeah with one of your good friends. Um, how, 
how was the casting? Were those also friends or? Uh, yes. Um, so all of the, the, all the guys in the movie were all of my best friends. Um, a couple uh, colleagues that actually work with my little brother who, who has a very short cameo in the movie as well um, that I just kind of like, you know, I need to fill a group of these misfits um, that I could, I could kind of puppeteer. Um, I, you know, sure. Working with actors would be <laughs> very nice, but these guys aren't actors and I'm really not an actor either, but, uh, but they listen to direction and they bring a lot of authenticity. And, you know, the, the way I wrote the script and the way that I directed it, it, it was all about authenticity because when I watch a movie, the, the, the big common factor in bad movies that I watch is uh, is um, not uh, unrealistic um, portrayal of characters. The acting when the acting's bad, I, it loses me. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, as long as I figured we're telling a story, I, I knew the story was there. Um, as long as I could fill in the pieces with my buddies, I knew that I. As long as I was in the out, as long as I was in the in the shot as well i could pace the scene and i could just kind of talk with everyone but everyone man they they crushed it a couple a couple guys out the blew me away it's interesting you talk about controlling the pace of the scene right. um right. embodying a, a character at the same time um, right that's an interesting way to direct yeah um and actually as you know uh as some some critics have released um reviews and and people always say uh comments on wow that must be so difficult and it and there's trust me there's an element of um kind of you know doing um, wearing multiple hats that could be stressful sure but when you could or at least i I guess i could speak for myself when i uh (laughs) was embodying the lead character of bridger he i wrote him to kind of be an alter ego Kind of like uh, when I when I watch movies, I love movies that um, that have a subject matter that that I would never do in real life. You know, robbing banks, um, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, what a great idea! I'd never do it, <laughs> but you know, uh, good idea. And I'm in living in that world. And now with Bridger making counterfeit money, um, doing some other things that he does later on in the movie, as it, as the as it keeps getting worse and worse for him. Um, I I was kind of just embodying him and, and just playing make believe, you know, and and with that, I you know, I could really become the character and I can make everyone else become the character with me. And everyone everyone really did. Mm. It was really fun. Yeah, that's impressive. And and how much uh, were you running, you know, to the monitor in between takes or rarely? Rarely. Um, yeah, I um, David, again, uh, I have so much trust in him. Um and he, he's like, I, I've known him since first grade, actually. And he, uh, he's kind of like the no BS guy. He, Bryce, you're, you look stupid. <laughs> you know, you're trying too hard, stuff like that. Now, he knows enough um, when I'm in the zone to, to not give me too much grief. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, or actually, I'll scratch that. Every take, when I'm done and I feel good about it, I just look at him. And I, and he just goes, yep. Or something like that. And I'm, I'm like, I already know we have it. Right. Cause I, cause I, we've, dis- we've, we are in, in pre-production, we established the tone, we established the, the composition, we established, I, I, uh, be, the night before, um, 
our shooting days because they're very sporadic. I'll get into that in a little bit, but I'll, I'll shot list uh, and I'll uh, storyboard a little bit. Now he's the artist. I'm not the artist, but he gets the idea when I, I was like, this is what I want. He's like, okay, I'll make, he's like, I'll, I'll make that look good. It's like, all right, rock and roll. Mm-hmm. Um, so I trust him. Now I do go to the monitor every once in a while when I, when I am not sure. Um, but usually I could tell because like I said earlier, performance um, is really what I'm looking for as the director. And, um, and I know while being in the scene, if I'm not, uh, if I am in that scene, I know when I'm, when we have it, mm-hmm. uh, and I trust him enough to know that he didn't blow it <laughs> and, right. and he, and he, uh, and he didn't. And a couple scenes I'll go back and I'll look at the monitor, but, uh, usually, you know, I, I would edit it, uh, after, you know, exporting, I'd start editing, you know, that night um throughout through the next day because i had it as well so i mean i i have like a dailies cut next day hmm. uh, you know and like taking screenshots and sending it to everyone getting everyone really keeping everyone really excited about filming because everyone did it for free all my buddies did so it's like hey look how cool you look in this scene i'll send them the three minute scene mm-hmm. like wow i can't wait till you know next wednesday when we shoot another four hours you know so yeah, that's great uh, was, to keep really the motivation cool. Exactly. Exactly. I, as a, I guess I could, I could say that's one of my strongest uh, suits as a director is, is a motivator. So I think, uh, uh, counterfeiters, um, it's obviously about counterfeiters. I, I'm not sure how much of the story we've revealed uh, to this point. You want to give a little synopsis? Sure. Um, well, my character, Bridger, um, he lives a relatively normal life when he gets the news that his mother um, is sick again. She has her cancer has returned, and now with the second bout of this illness, they're they're completely drained of their funds. They have no money, um, and he kind of stumbles on a uh, an idea of of how to make money fast. And it's not really I won't give away too much because it's. Basically, you'll see it within the first five seconds of the movie. But you ever wash? You ever, sorry, you ever wash um, your jeans or something, and you keep uh, a dollar or something in your pocket, oh, sure. and you and you pull out the money, and the ink is coming off. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to do it when my mom. Would, I'm like, oh, I was thinking, I'm like, wait, if I took all the ink off of a dollar bill, and I just took a laser ink jet printer and I copied a twenty onto it, that would probably fly. Yeah, and uh, and that was kind of the the idea for the movie. Is the character of the sick mom kind of your save the cat moment? Exactly. Um, as actually the whole idea now, Julie Julie Rob Julie Simone is um, the actress who plays the mom. To digress just quickly, she's the only person that I casted. Um, hmm. All of the guys in the movie are my friends. The cop was actually my dad. Oh. Um, and the women, the girls in the movie, there are three girl roles. Uh, they're all great, uh, friends of mine and great actresses. They actually want to be actresses. So I'll, I, I put them in the actress category, even though they are, they are also my friends. Um, but Julie is the only one that I casted for just one day and she did awesome. I thought she was, she was fantastic, but that, uh, that was the last scene that I shot in counterfeiters because I think that I, I thought that I needed to, uh, I needed to, I could have, Bridger could have been too much of a bad guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I needed to save the cat. <laughs> so e- even though we, uh, even though we talk about it, I wanted to show it. 
So uh, everyone could always go back to he's doing it for another reason, which is always what the reason was. I just wanted to actually see the mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to empathize with uh, Bridger, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Now, Bridger, uh, that has uh, two of the same letters as your name. Was that a... Yes. Yeah, you want to hear something, a funny story about that. Um, (laughs) I don't know. Have you ever heard of anyone named Bridger? No, but I like it. I, I do too. Um, I was uh, I worked a summer job at AFI, um, logging uh, credits for films. They have like their own database for AFI, um, and so I saw a it was like a Spielberg movie or something when you know Spielberg loves crediting every single person and their family mm-hmm. in his credits. So and there was one kid or girl or guy, something, and there was names Bridger. I'm like, what an amazing name. And I, I, my characters are always Bridger in my, in my scripts. I'll, I'll have to change them now, <laughs> now that one was produced. But, um, I was like, well, you know, I'm going to name my kid Bridger. I'm going to, I always <laughs> love that name. And I'm like, well, listen, this is my chance to introduce the, the name Bridger to the world. Yeah. Great name, Bridger. Yeah. Now that's my Bridger story. I don't know if a lot of, I, I always tell people I made it up, but that is the actual story. I saw it on a credit, deep, deep, deep in the credits, and someone with uh, maybe his only credit. Who knows? Yeah, but, uh, and yeah, that's a great tip for indie filmmakers out there. Stay through to through the end credits, and you might get character <laughs> names. There you go. That is that is very true. And <laughs> and I just just to unveil a little bit more of the plot. Um, from there, he brings all of his buddies in on this on this scheme of making um, small denominations of of counterfeit money uh five tens and twenties mm-hmm. primarily so you know no one gets caught you know hundreds are always red flat red flags um keeping the spending low and all this stuff and then my my buddies they get a little carried away and they start getting a little um confident and a little ambitious and that leads to um well counterfeiters it all takes place in in one night and it's essentially their last night of counterfeiting yeah, and you feel so. you feel that kinetic energy. Uh, it, it keeps you a little tense while watching the movie. Right. And my entire counterverse was all handheld, except for uh, except for one shot, um, which I needed it to be uh, locked off specifically for a special effect. So, uh, hmm. and that was that was the only uh, the only shot. Otherwise, I wanted it to be handheld and gritty. Yeah. But not but not. Just, yeah, not shaky camera, not born born ultimatum, right. but you know, just 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 some subtle movement. You know, it's a rocky, it's a rocky story. It was a rocky night. Uh, David, going back to him and getting him more kudos. He, I swear, this guy has the most steady hand I've ever seen in my entire life, and he always has. I mean, I don't need I don't need a a steady cam op if he wants the camera op. Wow. He carries that thing like like it's like it's amazing. And uh, just more credit to him. But, uh, yeah, well, we, yeah, we can great. keep giving credit to him. Uh, you want to talk about yeah. uh, how you did the lighting? Yeah, the the coolest lighting sequence was when Bridger meets Jose in the uh, in the apartment for this this money laundering drug deal. Um, and they had that's where we experimented with some some red, some green, some pink, some neon mm-hmm. that that really added another element. Um, but lighting the boat was initially one of the biggest concerns that I had. And uh, during pre-production, I would just ask David, I'm like, what do you think? He's like, oh, well, there, there, I got this this specific light 
that we could use that I could shove up in a corner and it does this, 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 and that, and you won't even see it. And you can walk around and do this whole thing. And I'm like, really? He's like, oh yeah. And that's part of his, you know, company again. And, and from there, I mean, we're, we're, we're very minimal crew during this too. Obviously the boat isn't huge. So wouldn't want to have a lot of people. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we really, uh, we really did all that we could do. Um, and the lighting ended up being very cool. The, I, I, I'm hesitant always to share with people the budget before they've seen the movie just because they think, you know, made for no money, it's probably looks like crap. But this this isn't the case. We we got uh, we had it was professional uh, mm-hmm. lighting and camera wise and and audio. Uh, the the hard my biggest my biggest worry was I don't have an uh, a connection to anybody in the um, movie recording industry, um, sound recording in general, but okay. music or movies really. So I went out and I bought. Uh, a couple Sennheiser lav kits and I have my little Tascam mixer and I did the sound um, every take. Hmm. <laughs> so I was, I was also doing the sound while acting and all that stuff. Now that is something that I would run back and make sure it's rolling on. <laughs> Talk about the monitor. I always I was very worried about the sound. Yeah. Now, if you're wearing a lavalier, uh, would you sh- shove it under your collar so it's not visible? Yeah. I went, I went up through the shirt and um and kind of i wore a button up on purpose so i could kind of like feed it in where the buttons are um yeah because I, I i didn't catch it unless you had yeah. it digitally removed no as a matter of fact there was a scene in the movie where you could totally see it and i ended up just cropping it that's a beautiful thing of shooting in 4k we shot on the canon mark two, c300 mark ii it's a beautiful camera mm. and um uh I, I could crop in and uh you know i where i wish i could have been a little wider I needed to hide the lob. Sometimes you got to sacrifice some stuff. <laughs> right, right. But uh, but that was that's really the only the only concern. And and um, and to, to give credence to one more thing on the production or on the post production aspect, I I do take uh, credit for lots of things in this movie. But one thing I can't take credit for, other than kind of providing the direction of it, was the mu- musical score mm-hmm. done by J T Neb- J T and he is a genius. He does uh, mostly movie trailers. Um, and I, when I watch movie trailers, that's to me, I want, I like that. It gets people excited. They want to go see it, blah, oh, yeah. blah, blah. And, and he's also a, a DJ and he has like a, like a dubstep influence where it really has that bass, heavy bass rumble that builds the tension. And, and I worked with him a little bit here and there to, uh, to, and I knew, I knew I wanted him to do my score for years. He's just my buddy, Zach Neverker. His brother is JT. And I used to talk to him because I had a, a script. Um, I'll get into that in a little bit. But I uh, I just – I needed him to do it, and he he was so good in it. And now I have screened this movie in theaters a couple times, including at LA Live. Oh, wow. And it was the most um, – we you know, I had to get the DCP done. So through the 2K DCP and the sound, the – the I believe it was uh, – yeah, it was a – it was a surround five one surround um, score. It was the most amazing sounding and honestly looking movie, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, or or on par at least with what you see in in Hollywood movies. It was amazing to watch it in theaters. It was very cool, very cool experience. Oh, I bet. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Funny enough, just one one last thing. I my movie premiered at the uh, or they had its LA premiere at the AMC AMC uh, Marina Six. Uh, it used to be a United Artist, and I used to go to that movie theater when I went to LMU. It was down the street. 
I used to go to this movie theater like by myself for like 10 years. Mm. So seeing my movie on that screen was like, you know, cloud nine dream come true. It was amazing. I had my poster in the marquee there and the light boxes and it was very cool. Right. Yeah. that's got to feed the <laughs> ego. Oh, totally, man. It was like, wow, I, I, I did. Mom, look, I made it. <laughs> right. It was, it was pretty now, cool. Now, speaking of the ego, uh, did you ever have to deal with people accusing you of, uh, you know, having such a big head that not only are you going to direct, but you're going to star in it? That's a good question. F funny. And OK, so I'll answer in two parts um, for the counterfeiters short film. Yes, everyone was like, you're going to act in it too, blah, blah. But again, this is, this is the film people, the film school kids. So they didn't really mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I've always been a big fan of, you know, Orson Welles and George Clooney and even Ben Stiller and all these people that act and star in their own movies. I mean, these guys do it. Mm -hmm. um, ben Affleck, shoot, The Town's one of my favorite movies They're to go back to heist movies. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, they do it, you know, and I could see, and it was, e I was so comfortable um in the in the um during the script writing i i could totally envision myself as this character i, I tend to write the main characters for me because it's easiest that way mm -hmm. um i could just pretend I'm, i escaped to another world and and from there i i really was like uh oh well, i'll do this one too why not um now do i want to go out there and be an actor really um no not necessarily uh will i act in other in my other stuff if if the role is right sure um, but, uh, if, you know, no one really gave me a hard time, uh, during, during this movie. I don't know if it was because they, they're my friends or, um, or because I was doing okay, mm -hmm. but it, it, but no one, uh, I haven't, I haven't caught any grief this time around and it, and I don't think I would have taken myself out of the lead if I could have, let's say James Franco wanted to play in my movie, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I may have given him my role and I would have taken a, a, a supporting role. Right. Sure. But, um, but I think I could have done it yeah. and I knew the script. I knew the script so well. Um, yeah, and it's just I, so I, silly for people that do react that way. You know, it's like, right. uh, people who, who love Tarantino movies, but get angry that he, you know, has a cameo, you know, it's right. Like, it's his he thing. Great, he played a great. He played a great. Uh, uh, you know, character in Pulp Fiction, and in, oh, you know, yeah. he, he was great. He was a, you know, and you don't think, you know, because honestly, most people don't know who what the director even looks like. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Just so happens that Tarantino is a recognizable face. Um, yeah, he he's been but, putting himself in since the beginning. Now I will say, exactly. what was the? I can't remember which one, but he was like a. a it might have been the the most recent one, the the Western. Um, well, he's like yeah, a Scottish. Yeah. He's a Scottish yeah, right. cowboy Australian. or something. Australian. Yeah, that's it. yeah. that was a uh, Django. It was Django. funny. And that's right. Just uh, just uh, nothing. You know, uh, you know. I didn't care. I thought it was funny. I thought I think he's great. I thought it was uh, hilarious. I, yeah. Yeah, I don't even. Th I well, I you know, I, I could say, Kim. Do I think he could carry a a whole movie as a leading man? I can't even say no because I haven't seen anything that that leads me to believe that he's a bad actor. Right. It's just people won't won't give him the shot because he is a director, or maybe he doesn't want the shot. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, I like to give myself a little bit more than Tarantino, a little bit more than Hitchcock. You know, I lean more towards the. Uh, the Orson Welles and the Ben Affleck movies, uh, as far as um, my 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 featured role. Of course, Counterfeiters is unique because I'm 
I think I'm only not in maybe like two minutes of the movie hmm. <laughs> in total runtime. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny in that way. That's not necessarily on purpose. It just so, kind of happened to do that. Be- it, that was actually because if we could segue into another uh, topic, mm-hmm. um, it was this, this shooting schedule was so sporadic that my friends who are all working for free couldn't make it to, to shooting days where I had the camera rented David's good, ready to go. Now, David, half the time, has other shoots that are paying. Mm-hmm. So he's putting me as secondary, you know? And I'm like, get paid, man. Don't, don't worry about it. And, you know, I've been left high and dry a couple times. So, you know, eventually it's like, David, you just come over and shoot me walking and talking right. on the phone. You know what I mean? Because I need this. And if that's the best part. It's like, he could come for two hours and we could shoot that. Um, and so that, it was easy that I was in everything, you know? Um, yeah. It didn't seem by, forced. I mean, you are the right. main character, you know? Yeah. 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 It was, it, I, I had to write a little bit more of me into it as, as the, as the, uh, uh, shooting unfolded, knowing kind of how, how this, this was going. It's like, maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should give myself another scene here or whatnot, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, it was cool. That was, it was, it was cool. I think that I, I think I made the right choice of putting myself as the lead. Um, it seems, it seems people are liking it so far. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, we'll get into the festivals cause, uh, you've been busy, but, uh, I have been, yeah. w- one of the awards was for best actor and I'm assuming that was for your role. Yes. I, I've won, uh, I've won three best actor awards. Um, there you go. And, I, I, yeah. And one was in Italy for the Nero's. I won uh, best actor there. And then I won best actor. In, what was that? I used to have them all written down. Um, well, the LA, uh, film festival at LA live. Yeah. And, um, see James Franco, one, he might not have pulled that off. Right. And it's <laughs> actually funny enough, James Franco, another person who directs and acts in his own movies, look at disaster artist. Oh yeah. So, well, he's um, funny too, because more and more he's playing more than one character. You know, I know the yeah, HBO like the film Deuce. and the, yeah, yeah, the Deuce. Right. And I heard uh, right. he's even he's even up for a role uh, as a superhero that multiplies himself. Oh, that's funny. No, I did hear about a superhero. Was that was that his one of his powers? I th- I, I, I don't know the superhero offhand, but yeah, he he clones himself yeah. or he's he's called like multiplicity, <laughs> not multiplicity, but okay. something like that. Something like that. So there's gonna okay. be a movie. I'll look into that. Yeah, there'll be like twenty <laughs> Francos running around, <laughs> and he's already well, cloned already with his little brother, almost. Exactly. Exactly. Pretty much, you know, you get double the Franco. Yeah. No, I, and I, I, I love Disaster Artist, and it's just to touch on Disaster Artist, it gets sidetracked for a little bit. Super um, re- relatable for me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, essentially, making the room what Tommy Wiseau did is exactly what I did for Counterfeiters. Of course, I uh, uh, well, so far, uh, mine's more well received in its initial release mm-hmm. than the room was. Um, but, uh, and I, you know, the budget was very different. He spent a ton of money and I didn't spend any, but I could totally relate to sitting in a theater filled with your cast, crew, friends, and strangers watching and listening to, for people's reactions. It's, it's kind of nerve wracking, Yeah. but, uh, well, cool. it's a cool experience. You already mentioned the boat. Um, what about the yeah. other locations you had, uh, like a, like a dance club or a bar? Yeah. Uh, can you talk right. about those? 
I can. Um, let me know if I go out a little bit. You were getting a little choppy, but uh, if you can hear me, I guess I'll keep going. Um, there's an app called Peerspace. Um, you may or may not have heard of this, but it's essentially Airbnb for uh, hours instead of days. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, I found this bar. It's called Soul, S-O-L, in um, Carson. And I could rent this bar for a four-hour period. And they happen to have like a dance floor there too. So I shot the bar and the dance floor sequence in the same place. Um, we did it quickly. We shot, the, we shot that scene quickly. Could be one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie at the bar. Um, we only, only shot it at four hours. Typically a shooting day when we made the movie is typically about four to five hours. That's it. Mm. We did it in about 15 days. So uh, we really, it was a, <laughs> expedited, that's for sure. Um, yeah, I'm just curious how, how much... Uh do they charge? I'm sure there's a range, but, uh, yeah, it was a hundred dollars an hour for a full four hour minimum. So it was like 400 bucks for me to shoot this bar. Like what a deal, right? Yeah. That's pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, that, that goes into the 8,000, right? <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> like worth it. Totally. Um, and then that, that sequence of, um, of Jose and Bridger and, and, uh, the bodyguard and, uh, that whole, sh- the ending without giving anything away. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, that took place in the Marina City Club in Marina Del Rey, right next to the boat, um, and in a unit that me and my dad renovated. Um, mm. He bought a, a unit that we completely tore down and renovated. It looks really, really cool. We kind of like, hey, I need a vacant apartment. And he actually had just sold it, closed escrow, and the guy was moving into that unit the next day. <laughs> so we needed to shoot he was moving it on a Thursday. We shot it on a Wednesday. We're like, oh, I hope we didn't leave that behind any, any, uh, paraphernalia. Right. <laughs> so, but that's it. That was, that was a, pretty much the, and, and the, the Janice scene, which is actually my favorite scene in the movie with the, with the girl who tries to seduce Bridger. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that was done at my girlfriend's old condo. Um, and I have to, you know, shout out to, to Dylan, to my girlfriend. She is, an amazing support um, on and off the movie. She was, you know, PA if I needed her and carried the uh, sound mixer as I walked if I needed her and uh, helped me, you know, deal with every, the stresses of it. She was, she was very nice. And she let me use her um, apartment complex or and her and her unit for that. She ended up moving shortly thereafter, but very cool location. Yeah. So another free one. With counterfeiters, um, we already mentioned uh, a couple of the, the film festivals it went to. But yeah. uh, it went to a bunch. Do you know how many in total yeah. it, it, it was selected at? Yeah. It, okay, so we got selected to our first film festival in August. That was uh, – actually, no, sorry. Technically, our first film festival was the Lakeview International Festival in India. Um, that was in July, but that was something that I could have never gone to. So right. I don't count that one. Um, the first film festival was in Vegas for the Action Arm Film International Film Festival. I had both my short films I did that premiered there. I have a good relationship with the programmers there, and I knew that I could I had a really good shot at getting counterfeiters in there. Um, and typically getting into film festivals is really difficult to do, especially if you have a feature film, because they only program, you know, a couple. Mm-hmm. Um and so I really, I'm like, all right, listen, I'm going to get myself into AOF. I don't care about premiere status. I got to get into a festival. And I did. And then film through Film Freeway, by the way, if I could shout out Film Freeway. Sure. Um, I kind of left the without a box thing and did the Film Freeway thing. And man, they are good. Now, I loved it. I'm, it was- I'm still on, I haven't made the switch. I'm still on uh, without a box. 
Uh, what are the advantages of Film Freeway? The biggest advantage is I could sort through um, price of submissions. Mm. Um, I could do, I, I submitted to every single festival that was free. Uh, lots of them that were $10 and under. Um, they advertise fee waivers all the time. So you could get discounts. Now, obviously I'm paying for all this on my own. So I'm, you know, pinching pennies. Sure. Uh, so that was a big um, thing. Uh, they have a great, um, tr- not necessarily a tracking, but they, the layout is very friendly um, to the, to the user. Um, now, you know, it, without a box, it did make its improvements in the last few years, but I personally think that film freeway is, is going to be the thing. Hmm. Um, but just to, just to finish it off, all acceptances were through film freeway. Um, and I had, I was accepted into 17 festivals and I won 13 awards. Wow. So, and that was from August to December. Just a so, handful of months. Yeah. Just a handful of months. So, um, I'm, I'm done, uh, for now because, um, I'm going to be coming out on iTunes and Amazon at the end of this month. Nice. Congrats. So thank you. So, uh, I'm doing it through Distriber, which is a self distribution, uh, company. Um, and, uh, I'm going to peddle the heck out of, uh, the pre-order for iTunes to, um, uh, garner interest and bring it on the, up on the new and noteworthy for its release, and hopefully I could get a bunch of people to watch Counterfeiters. I think it's, um, I think it's a really, uh, I think people really like it. And when is that release again? You know, uh, not not a for sure date. It'll be sometime. I'll let you know for sure. Yeah, let me know, um, and I'll I'll tweet it out and share it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, totally. Um, and uh, I think it'll probably be um, probably uh, oh, anything with maybe the next couple weeks. Uh, it'll go on pre-order and probably like a February 1st um, release, official release on iTunes and on Amazon for purchase initially. And then it'll be Amazon Instant um, a few months later. Very but, cool. And what's yeah, what, so, what's next? What's next for uh, Bryce Hirschberg? Um, well, uh, I touched on it briefly, um, but there was a script that I wanted to do with JT and my composer i want him to do the score of it but with this will be with david for sure and i've worked on pre-production with him on this for this has been a long time coming and it's and it's a script that's much better than counterfeiters it's a, it's a horror film it's called masks nice and uh and it's and if you're a fan of horror films at all uh masks is a, is a throwback to the uh, ever popular teen scream subgenre uh, a la Scream and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and I Know What You Did Last Summer it's type of movie and it's funny and it's fun and it'll be really really cool now I am obsessed with horror movies this is why I want to do this but uh, and that's a feature there could be a, that's a feature and the, the, whatever I do next I'm, I'm hoping to do another feature and I have a counterfeiter sequel that, that I'm playing with in my head and uh, very cool man yeah for a relatively recent uh film school grad you're killing it man appreciate it i appreciate it you know it was one of those things where i had about three years of um of working at different companies and freelance videography essentially and that really prepared me to be the uh the independent filmmaker that i am honestly doing the sound a lot of stuff myself i learned on the fly by doing working for companies like uprocks um uh i could i could really 
you know, it helped me. But um, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hopefully this is my chance so I can take that, that next step closer to winning that Oscar. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to go to our website to check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grid.